0: Welcome to the Renew Education Podcast. It is with great joy and a lot of anticipation that we have started this new endeavor. Renew Education is a new organization that is committed to furthering Christ's kingdom through promoting gospel centered, transformative, and accessible educational opportunities. More than anything else, we want to see gospel renewal in our Christian schools. We want to see them thrive. And I'm someone who has drunk the Kool-Aid of Christian schooling. I am an alumnus myself. My dad taught Bible in a Christian school for 49 years. I grew up going to Christian school, was essentially raised there, and returned back years later not only to teach at that Christian school, but a few others along the way. And have taught and coached and been an administrator, and now I'm following the Lord's leading into a new endeavor where all I want to see is Christian schools thrive, and I can't wait to be a part of wherever that leads. Today, I do want to talk some about Christian education, and that is going to be the heart of the Renew Education podcast, where every episode we're going to talk about Christian education. The one thing that's not going to change is that we're always going to figure out ways to take all conversations back to the centrality of the gospel, because that's our heartbeat. And we're also committed to the reality that it's hard to call something Christian if you can't pinpoint the gospel in it, because lots of religions and other systems have very similar commitments to Christians. They value the family, or they have a belief in some absolute being, or they talk about character and how we should be kind to each other. But that's not necessarily Christian. It's also not necessarily Christian to be able to attach a verse to something. Lots of people do that, and they don't do it out of a commitment to the gospel. They do it in some cases because they're committed to advancing what they believe is going to most make them acceptable um, to God or to the society in which they live. For that reason, we believe that the gospel is what is most distinctive about Christianity, and therefore the gospel is what needs to be most central in the life of the Christian school. So for today, as an introductory episode I do want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk specifically about the uniqueness of the gospel as we talk about Christian schooling. And I want to share with you just a couple quotes. I'm one of these people that everywhere I go, I write down quotes, things I've read, and that helps those things to stick with me. And I also realize that I might be able to share a few ideas with you, but I'm going to be most effective. If I can point people to different books or articles or thinkers that can say things far better than I can. The first is from Gordon Clark. He, he said this back in 1946 in his book entitled A Christian Philosophy of Education. He says, in many Christian schools, the actual instruction is no more Christian than in a respectable secular school. The program is merely a pagan education with chocolate coverings of Christianity, and the pill Not that coding works. The students are deceived into thinking they've received a Christian education, when as a matter of fact, their training has been neither Christian nor an education. Christianity, far from being a Bible department religion, has a right to control the instruction in all departments. When I first came across that quote, I was excited, but I was also a little bit scared I was excited because I thought, yeah, absolutely, here's a guy that is speaking about what Christian education is fundamentally supposed to be about. And as a lover of Christian schooling, as someone who is all in, I was craving places where I could go where people would talk unapologetically about Christian education. But it also troubled me because in my own experience, A lot of Christian schools are Christian, but they're not all that different from many of the secular schooling options that are out there. And what's fascinating to me personally is that what Gordon Clark was saying back in 1946 is just as true, if not more true, today. I think it's interesting that he was saying this decades and decades and decades ago because he understood that for many people, Christianity is a name we assign to something, but haven't necessarily done the hard work to say, what would make something Christian? So when he says that an education in some of these Christian schools are neither a good education nor they're a Christian, to me that's very convicting because I want to make sure that our schools are so unapologetically Christian that no one mistakes that. And also that it is a good education. We are schools after all. And so I feel deeply about being a resource for Christian schools and Christian schooling networks to say, how do we do a better job at both being more unapologetically Christian, but also doing a better job at education? And the two of them together don't have to be separate. You know, many people for years and years and years have used this phrase, the integration of faith and learning. And I can even talk about the history of uh, the use of that phrase. And even that phrase, I think, I can be brought to a place where I really believe in it. But often the way I hear people use that phrase is they're saying that there's this thing called faith and this thing called learning And that it is the task of the Christian school to bring those two together. Well, that is a very different view of both faith and learning from what God designed things to be like. Faith and learning were always supposed to go hand in hand. And so if we are committed to using that phrase, I prefer that we would say a reintegration about faith and learning. You know, talking about faith and learning as reintegration, or talking about the gospel and how the gospel needs to be so central to the life of our schools, that there's nothing revolutionary about that. If anything, I would say that's a counter-revolution. The revolution has been something that ever since the fall, where Adam began to think about learning on his own terms, that we're beginning to say, actually, we need to claim back that ground. We need to reclaim it because that's not the way learning was supposed to be. That's not the way that we should relate to our God. So when we start talking about Christian education, I don't think it's a revolutionary thing. I think that it actually is going back to fundamentally the way that learning was always supposed to be, the way in which we interact with the world, the way in which we interact with each other, the way in which we interact with our God. I want to share another quote with you. This comes from Richard Reason in his book, Piety and Philosophy, which was written far more recently than Gordon Clark's. He says, the larger point, however, is that both teacher and students come to the process of education with a point of view, a worldview, it is sometimes called, which is a synthesis or an amalgamation of convictions about the fundamental issues The nature of man, the existence of God, the meaning of death, and so forth. What I mean can be reduced to the question, does it matter to the way one thinks that one is a Christian? Is Christianity about ideas? Which ideas? Do these influence the way we think about things? It need not be too much more sophisticated or self-conscious than that. You know, I, I share with you both of these quotes because you have two different men that are asking questions about fundamentally, what is Christian education supposed to be about? What would distinguish a Christian school from any other school? What would be the ideas that the Christian school would hold so deeply that if we were ever going to deviate from those things, we would say we should close our doors because we're not Christian any longer. That's why I believe that we need to be schools that cling above all else to the gospel. So whenever people say worldview, Christian worldview, and I confess lots of people have asked me what I mean by that. At one time in my journey, my school gave me the title worldview director. They didn't really know what else to call me, so they called me worldview director because I was involved in equipping our teachers with a better understanding of a Christian worldview, and I was teaching Christian worldview to our students, and so they just gave me this name, and people would say, well, what what do you mean when you say Christian worldview? And I believe that it's become this way overused, and I would say misunderstood term, that if you were to walk down the halls of your average Christian school and ask for those teachers' definition of a Christian worldview, you would probably get as many definitions as you have teachers in that school and I don't blame the teachers for that. It's more of an issue of the school not doing the hard work to say, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page of what we mean when we say Christian worldview and what we mean when we say the gospel and what we mean when we say integration of faith and learning and what we mean when we talk about the image of God and excellence and all of these terms that we use in our Christian schools. That's one of the reasons why I believe that a purpose of Renew Education is in part going to be to help schools develop common vocabularies so that we can be more aligned in the kind of language we use. Because as Frank Gabeline in his book, The Pattern of God's Truth says, at the end of the day, a Christian school can really only be as Christian as its faculty is. Our teachers need to be on the same page, and our administrators need to be on the same page, and our board needs to be on the same page, that we need to use the same vernacular. It needs to be gospel-infused vernacular, and I realize that I've used that phrase, that word, the gospel, so many times here, but the gospel is not merely a statement that people need to hear for conversion. I need the gospel today, in 2023, as much as I did at the moment of my conversion. I need to be reminded that this person came into the world 2,000 years ago to accomplish what I could not. And it turned the world upside down. The Jewish leaders in Acts 17, they understood that the gospel reordered everything. They actually say that in Acts 17, where they begin to say, we need to do a better job of arresting these people and silencing these disciples because this gospel of theirs is turning the world upside down. You see, the gospel, it functions with very different assumptions than what you find throughout anywhere in the world. The rest of the world functions according to some level of transactions where if you do good things or if you contribute something, you expect to receive something in return. It's based on merit. It's based on performance. And in many regards, even our language in our schools when we talk about excellence and and success, it's not that different when it comes to how we view someone receives merit. What gives someone value. And yet, in the gospel, what Jesus tells us is the very reason I came is because you can't do enough. He came to save us, He came to rescue us, He came to set us free. And so, Christian schools should be places that are committed to a rescue mission. They're committed to setting students free. They're committed to wanting students to flourish, not according to some identity that the world wants to see, but an identity that's driven by a firm commitment to the beauty of the gospel. One of my fears, and I wrote about this in my book, Jesus Above School, that came came out earlier this year. One of my fears is, is that if we're not careful. We will graduate a bunch of students who don't think they need Jesus any longer. That cannot, it cannot be the purpose of our Christian schools. Certainly, we would never say that, that we want to see students not need Jesus. Of course, we know that there is no such human alive that doesn't need Jesus. But sometimes in the way that we construct our schools and in the ways that we define success and in the ways we talk about what makes us distinctive, our students can almost begin to think that if they do all of these things that we put before them, that they then become acceptable. And yet Jesus came into this world because we're not. He came into this world to save us. And as a result, Christians... And the schools that we have fashioned after the heartbeat of Christianity the gospel should be places that are committed to rescue. And as a result, our learning is infused with a deep sense of gratitude and a deep sense of dependence and a recognition that the whole purpose of this is not to follow the rat race, but to see our students set free. So over the course of this year, as we begin to talk about Christian worldview, and gospel-infused education, and figuring out how can we become more aligned with the gospel, and what does that look like in the lives of our schools? I can't wait to have further episodes, at times to bring in guests, at times to talk about what I'm reading. But whatever we do, we're always going to come back to the centrality of the gospel. That's why I've started this podcast. That's why Renew Education exists. It's what I'm most committed to because I know I need the gospel. And I know that our Christian schools need the gospel and our students need the gospel because it really is good news. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time.